Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Good Life Podcast. Today, the 27th day of August, 2015, coming to you live from the Big Apple, New York City. Phone number to join, as always, 607-203-5330. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit tonight with two aspects. First, I'll be having sort of a co-host when he calls in, my good friend Ed Pele, known for his extensive sports travel around North America. I believe he's seen a sporting event in 48 of the 50 states. He'll fly to North Dakota tomorrow to watch an intramural water polo game and fly back home to make it home for dinner, and that's the truth. Second, I will not be interviewing a professional athlete. For the past two years, every show featured one, except the two shows I did with the two guests from Locked Up Abroad about Nat Geo. An obsession of mine has been traveling for so, so long. I actually just tweeted, I'd rather have a passport full of stamps rather than a house full of stuff. It's been said a million times, but it's true. So I'm beyond excited to introduce tonight's guest. He's the youngest American ever to visit every country in the world. He's one of the most traveled human beings on earth. He's called the Marco Polo of the 21st century. Let's get him on the phone, Lee Abamante. Lee, what's up, man? Thank you for calling in. Hey, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Okay. I know you've done a ton of interviews, and I'm really hoping not to be too generic, but obviously there's a couple of questions that you have to, that are unavoidable, how you got into this life. So you got there with me on the first couple of questions. Is that fair? No problem. First off, what the hell is going on now, Yankees? That's more important. I've seen your pictures on your website. What is going on without Yankees? Well, I mean, in my view, they're, they've overachieved as as is. I can't believe they're doing as good as they have been this year. I mean, with Tax and A-Rod in such a slump and uh, their pitching staff in, uh, in disarray, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they have a four-game lead in the wild card um, with a bunch of teams who I don't think are very good. So I think they're pretty safe to uh, make the playoffs, but I think they were leading the division. You said it perfectly. I'm not going to make this a sports show either, but we went there with kind of low expectations this year with the Yankees. And then A-Rod, Tex, McCann's driving, all these runs. They reeled you in that this was going to be a special year, and now we're, uh, we're coming back to reality, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, that's what I think. But I, I think they'll be fine. I, I mean, honestly, I think uh, they're as good as their pitching can take. I don't think you could have thought that, you know, you're going to get carried by two late 30s guys and McCann has produced more than you'd expect him to. Um, they're not getting uh, the production out of some of their other players that they were hoping for. But, uh, you know, hopefully Tanaka can keep it up, Pineda, and uh, this this new kid, he looks pretty good. Oh, he looks amazing. Okay, let's get right to traveling, what you're known for. Now, here's a couple of generic questions, obviously. I read you were previously working down on Wall Street in finance. How does one go from finance on Wall Street to traveling the world? <laughs> yeah, the age-old question. Um, you know, when I... Uh, when I graduated college in uh, in 2000, I started working at a company called Canner Fitzgerald down in uh, One World Trade Center. And, uh, you know, I always figured I was going to work on Wall Street. I was always really good with money, with numbers, uh, making deals, that kind of stuff. So that's what I did. I uh, went to another company in um, in energy, and then I moved into uh, wealth management. And, after, and the whole time I was traveling, I was always uh, – I guess fortunate to be pretty good at my job, so I was able to take some time off and and do what I wanted. Um, you know, more than 
you know, a lot of people only get two weeks a year. So I was able to, uh, to parlay that into several more than that. But, uh, you know, and then I, it was like, uh, one of my loves and passions and it just came to be where, um, I decided I wanted to, uh, go to every country in the world. And once I did that, I just kind of, uh, decided to, to do it, but I wasn't really sure exactly what I was going to do. So back in a way, I actually resigned from my job and, uh, kind of hedge my bets I, I enrolled in business school to get an MBA at a top school and uh you know kind of the rest is history I wasn't really sure what I was going to do but it seems to have worked out pretty well yeah I would think so now you mentioned a goal of visiting every country I have OCD so I travel and when I go somewhere I'm like I'm an extensive reader I want to I read a book about country x and I have to go there did that is that what happened to you you just went to a few and you're like I need to hit up every country in the world it, you know, it, it it wasn't really like that. I mean, excuse me. Uh, you know, I always read a lot, and I was always really knowledgeable growing up. Like I come from a you know, pretty smart family and background, and all that stuff. And like I was always curious about the world. It just never really occurred to me. I never really had the inclination to go anywhere. And then uh, it was study abroad that was really the catalyst for me. And then once I actually got out there um, and started traveling around Europe um, during 1998. Uh, that's when I really got, you know, my appetite whetted, so to speak. And um, then I just got curious about going to other places. Then I remember I took a trip to uh, Asia and the Middle East and Scandinavia and South America. And then, you know, basically I just wanted to go everywhere. And uh, then I eventually decided uh, when I found out there was like this age to be the youngest to go to every country, I decided to to go for that. And you know, it was just a fun thing to do. It was, it wasn't like a, uh, like an obsession or anything. It was just something I thought would be cool to do. I really love learning and travel and experience. I really love experiences more than anything else. Um, so some of my friends said fear of missing out, but I mean, uh, I just like to do stuff. It's like, I like to go to every sporting event. You know what I mean? I like to go to every country. I like to eat at all the good restaurants. You know, I like to hang out with all my friends, you know, I just like to do stuff. Now, the one thing I always hate, and I'm not even going to – I won't bore you or the audience with the question of favorite country, worst country, because you can have a great experience. You know, I just got back from Europe. We stopped in Budapest for a night. It was incredible. So Budapest is one of my favorite countries just because of that good night. So I'm going to be a little selfish here, and I'll ask you about some of my upcoming vacations. In 47 days, I'm going to Thailand for a couple of weeks. Tell me what your experience was in Thailand. Did you love it? Some pros and cons of that place. I'm actually, uh, actually just booked some flights to, uh, to Thailand in October. I'm not sure if that's when you'll be there, but I'll be there in October, actually. Oh, yeah, I'll be there from the 14th through, I think, the 29th or something. I think, uh, I think I'll think i go there on the 13th, yeah. So um, I'll, be, I'll be right in that area during that time. But, uh, you know, I've been to Thailand, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, seven, eight times. Um, you know, you kind of find yourself in Thailand quite a bit. I mean, a lot of them were, you know, kind of coming and going. I always say all roads roads in Southeast Asia lead to Bangkok because they really do. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, so you find yourself in Bangkok a lot. And then the the trick to Thailand, it really is to get out of the city. So whether you go kind of north to, you know, Chiang Mai or up into the jungles or even up into Laos or Cambodia or Vietnam or go south to the islands, which is, you know, kind of like backpacking circuit, like a lot of kind of first timers do. There's like a, you know, circuit down in Malaysia and Singapore and in Bali that a lot of people do, which is which is great. I mean, it's it's a great experience. It's kind of a great way to get your 
kind of big toe wet in Asia. I mean, there's a ton of tourists there, so it's not like you really have to deal with the a language thing. And, um, you know, you meet a ton of people and it's really cheap. It's one of the few places it's still pretty cheap. It actually blew my mind how cheap it was. I'm doing the whole Bangkok, Chiang Mai, we're doing the islands. You know, I've been to the Philippines, Hong Kong, and when we started booking hotels and the flights to Thailand, I was blown away by how cheap, even these, you know, you look on Obsessive Rita, OCD with planning, and you, I go online, these great <clears throat> restaurants are dirt cheap. You're, it's fascinating, but now I have to jump to this part. Your website, leavamonte.com, it's really a great website. There's pictures and stories and I was fascinated by the section about North Korea. I have like a slight obsession with North Korea. I read a ton of books on it, countless books. Please tell me about your visit there. Because like, you know, I was looking on the other day. They do tours from Beijing to North Korea, and you described it perfectly. Tell me about North Korea when you went there. Well, thank you for the compliment. And, yeah, North Korea, if the question is what's the most interesting place in the world, I always say the answer is North Korea. Um, you know, it's not like I endorse the regime or their, you know, history of the last 60 years or anything like that. But what it is, is a fascinating place to be and to experience and to and to kind of see the life behind, you know, their iron curtain, so to speak. And, you know, you really get a feel what it's like with the propaganda that's just blatantly in your face. And, you know, they don't even make, uh, you know, any qualms about it. They just uh, throw kind of ridiculous things at you and you know they choose your path you see what they want you to see you're escorted the whole time uh, if you're lucky you'll get to see the mass games which was one of the cooler things um, that I've done actually and uh, that was the big impetus for me going there aside from just going in with Korea I really wanted to see the mass games which is like an Olympic opening ceremony style event in uh, Mayday Stadium which um, little known fact is actually the world's largest stadium it uh, has a capacity of like 175,000 people. Um, so that was just super cool, and it was really interesting. I was actually there for, uh, I guess it was my 31st birthday, 31st or 32nd birthday, I can't remember. But it was, uh, it was a great experience. And, uh, yeah, you leave out of Beijing. I went with a company called Corio, and yeah. uh, I had a great experience. I would totally recommend it to anybody. Now, Lee, real quick, one more question about North Korea. I looked up going there. It was actually between China and North and, uh North Korea or Thailand. We chose Thailand because I actually had someone to come with me to Thailand. But in North Korea, they were playing a soccer match, and part of the package was you get to go see a World Cup qualifying match in soccer. And I emailed the company, and I'm like, hey, if we don't want to do five full days in North Korea, they're like, yeah, no, you're doing five full days in North Korea. <laughs> but, my, but my one question to you, and this, is, and this is not a joke or anything, single girls in North Korea, or are you just on a tour, you're not really socializing with the regular people? Uh, I mean, you can you, you socialize with people in your group. I mean, the way it was for, for me, and I, I was there after, uh, on, on like the first trip where they had closed North Korea for a while, and they it was like the first one where it was open, so there was something like 40 or 50 people. Um, I think there was probably like four or five Americans on the trip, and, um, you know, so I talked to a lot of people on that trip, and, you know, I'm still friendly with uh, some of the people who I met. Um, you know, it was, it was mostly men or couples on the trip, um, mm -hmm. you know, thinking back on it, I was actually there with a female friend of mine. Um, so she was a single woman, I guess, but, uh, other things, <laughs> but, you know, she was, we were together, so it wasn't the same as, you know, that would be normally, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, at night you just hang out at the hotel bar, you know, kind of like you would anywhere else and you drink overpriced Heineken's and, uh, you know, they have a casino where they stack the ads against you. 
So, you know, it's like anywhere else, really. <laughs> and, uh, Lee, I'm going to introduce my uh, one of my good friends, Eddie. He's a, like, like both of us, sports fanatic. But like I said beforehand, he's actually not with me tonight. He's actually out in Long Island at his house. He'll fly tomorrow, and this is the truth. He'll fly. I'll text him, Ed, what are you doing right now? I'm in Boise watching a baseball game. I'll be, I'll be back in a few hours. So let me introduce the show, E.P. E.P., you're on the air, bro. What's going on? Hi, how you doing? Ed here. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, nice to meet you. Um, first of all, I was looking at your site, and I found it absolutely amazing. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. And some of the uh, countries you visit, visited were uh, just uh, incredible. The, the fact that you were able to visit so many countries, it seems almost mathematically impossible. Um, <laughs> uh, and speaking of North Korea, um, the uh, countries really that interest me the most are the ones, you know, as an American citizen, that are probably the most difficult to uh, to or to visit. Uh, and uh, one of the places I noticed that you had visited is a place called Pitcairn, which is like, uh, for people who don't know, it's like an island that's incredibly remote in the Pacific Ocean. There's like 20 people that live there. I was wondering if you could just speak on uh, how you were able to get there and what what, what it was like. Yeah, Pitcairn Island is one of the, uh, like you said, one of the most remote places in the world. It's actually 50 people almost on the dot, I believe, that live there. And uh, it's famous really for two reasons. One, because of the mutiny on the bounty, the famous uh, story of Fletcher Christian and the bounty mutineers. Uh, their descendants, sixth and seventh generations, are now inhabiting Pitcairn. And I think there's a diaspora of about 1,500 Pitcairners around the world, mostly in Australia, New Zealand, and the U.K., and uh, it's a really, really difficult place to get to. Um, the only way to do it is by boat, whether it be a supply ship uh, or a private yacht from Mangareva, which is the furthest east point of uh, French Polynesia. And it takes about two to three days each way from there. And it's super expensive um, to do it. So it's a real undertaking to get there. They get, I don't know, maybe 100 tourists a year. But it's a really cool place to go and to be. And what's unique about Pitcairn is, like, the tourist attraction essentially is, uh, one, just being there, but, two, the actual people and, like, listening to their stories and kind of their history and, and just kind of hearing about it. And uh, the only other reason people might have heard about Pitcairn Island, um, if you're not, like, an extreme traveler or a history buff, is uh, they had some uh, some rape allegations there about 10, 12 years ago with uh, – you know, kind of underage sex stuff, uh, you know, with 50 people, that type of stuff. It's, uh, it's a tough situation over there for them. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, Ed, um, yeah, jump in, jump in whenever you want to, Ed, so. Okay. Okay, now, Lee, have you ever been approached either for a book or maybe like, I know the travel, like an Anthony Bourdain type of show, have you ever been offered something like that? Because you're younger than Bourdain, I don't know if you're cool. I see you're a sports guy. Have you ever been approached by anything with a show or a book? Uh, yeah, numerous times for both. I actually uh, have a deal in place to write a book uh, next year, and I'm actually going out to Los Angeles next week to uh, do some stuff for a television show. Um, I've done uh, I've done a pilot, and uh, you know, been on several other shows. And uh, as uh, you may or may not know, I'm on uh, TV quite a bit. So I. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in doing it. The For me to agree to do it, it would have to kind of be the way I want it to be. You know, I get pitched, uh, I don't know, literally like three or four times a week for different shows and, and or different segments. And um, I'm very protective kind of of my brand and, uh, you know, things I 
I do, you know, I've made a, a few mistakes along the way and I try to write those and, you know, be careful with what I do uh, and who I get involved with um, at this point. Now, I believe I read you visited 300 and maybe 18 countries. My question yep. to you is, what do you define the country? Because you'll go into five different websites and you get all different numerical numbers. To you, what defines a country? Yeah, there's. Um, it depends really who you ask. And I, I once wrote a, a piece called How Many Countries Are There? And, you know, really the answer is it depends who you ask. Um, technically, there's 193 countries, meaning there's 193 UN member states. So there's a... Of the United Nations members, there's 193. But then there's a couple that most people consider countries but aren't members of the UN for geopolitical reasons like Taiwan uh, or Kosovo or uh, the Vatican, you know, things like that. So some people say there's 196. um, And then there's other places, uh, you know, that people, some people include, some people choose not to. Then some people say Antarctica is a country, but, you know, or the Falkland Islands or... So there's another list called the Traveler Century Club, um, which uh, is the list that I generally go by, and that's where the 318 number came by. Um, and what it is is a list of every country in the world, 193 countries, plus a list of what would it be, 131 territories and unique destinations. And how that's defined is, for instance, Puerto Rico in the Traveler Century Club list counts as its own country. Although it's a part of the United States, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, uh, places like that, and and American Samoa would count separately. Uh, Same with Pitcairn Island or St. Helena or Ascension or some of the British territories or French Guiana or Martinique or French Polynesia, they count separately as going to France. So it's a more comprehensive list, and that's where that number 318 came from. And of that list, there's 324 destinations. Now, let me ask you this question. And I, I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while now. In my apartment in the city, I have like a, a big map I got, my cousin got for me. And every time you go to a country, you color it in. Now, let me ask you your opinion. Cause, no, because I have to ask you, cause we get, I get arguments, you know, silly debates with people I travel with. You, you and I right now, we fly, we have a seven-hour layover in Copenhagen, Denmark. We sit there, we have some food, we buy some stuff in the travel store, and we fly, to, we fly back home to New York. Do you count that? Because I, I personally do. I'm in the country. I'm in that country. Do you count that as visiting that country, or you do, do you not? Well, this is always an interesting question. People, this is where a lot of people disagree. But you know, then again, I find the people who disagree about it are generally hypocritical about it because they count it <laughs> if it uh, if it suits them. Now, here's here's the rule according to the Traveler Century Club. Not that they're like an official, you know, ruling organization of travel or anything, but they say that if you're in the country, whether it's a stopover, layover, like you just mentioned, it counts. Just physically being in the country counts. So, uh, you know, theoretically, you know, it's, it really it's up to you. And, um, you know, it's up to the person. Like I always say, there's, no, there's nobody sitting, standing behind you with a, with a gun in your head saying, like, you have to do this, this, and this. And, you know, people travel differently, and people have different goals. And some people's goal is to simply go to the country and, and say they were there and, you know, they're not really that interested in, in seeing much about it. So really it, it depends. There's no right or wrong way to travel. And um, technically it would count. Um, and really it's up to you. I've had a few places where I spent a, a short period of time and I've tried to go back to them over the years. In fact, uh, I just got a visa to a very small Island in the Pacific called Nauru. 
And uh, mm-hmm. so I'll be going back there in October after a wedding in Fiji because when I was there the first time, I was just there for a couple hours on a uh, on a layover, basically. So, um, you know, um, I'm not really too excited to go there for two days, but, um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go there, see what they have, and uh, and that's it. So really, it just depends on you. Uh, Lee, have you um, ever had a situation where you've uh, made extensive travel plans and then only to find out once you arrive there's some sort of uh, problem which forces you to change the plans, like a hurricane, an earthquake, something along those lines? Um, well, I had a, uh, I had a plan. This is, uh, this is a good reason to uh, get travel insurance, by the way. Um, uh, and I, I use uh, tra- Allianz travel insurance. I might mention that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I... Um, I was scheduled to go to Libya um, in March 2011, and that was going to be my 193rd country or, like, my final country that, you know, to go to all the countries. Actually, the four-year anniversary is actually tomorrow of completing the list, and uh, the Arab Spring broke out. So, obviously, I couldn't go to Libya. It was a no-fly zone. It was a war zone. Uh, there was no going, and uh, and I stayed away. Um, but you can imagine, especially flights within Africa, because I was coming from, I can't remember, like Djibouti or Sudan or something like that. And you can, trust me, internal African flights are a nightmare of of nightmares to both book, logistics, they just get canceled, they're changed for no reason, nobody tells you. You know, it's not like they have good websites you could check or you can't tweet them, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, like wars really have been the ones that have killed me. I was uh, I was in India once and I was flying I, I was there during the uh, the monsoon season and uh, I had a couple of flights canceled to some islands uh, and it you know what can you do so you know you're out some money or you go for a short time you know you just basically make the decisions on the ground I've never had um, y- you know catastrophic uh, changes actually that's not true I had um, I was in Papua New Guinea on like a remote island, and I got news that a, a close family member had passed. So basically, I, I got there, and then I essentially turned around and had to fly home for like two and a half days. That was kind of a nightmare. And I actually didn't have travel insurance on that trip, and it ended up costing me about fifty five hundred dollars to get home. Oh, that's yeah, brutal. I was really pissed about that one. <laughs> Aside from the fact that I was super upset, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. Now. Neil Armstrong once said, like, after he walked on the moon, he always felt, not depressed, but he can never reach his, like, his goal. Like, he walked on the moon. You're, forget about being the youngest, you're going to visit every place in the world. What's next? Like, what is your next thing with travel-wise? Well, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people say that, um, and they ask me that question. And you, you know what's cool, and, and I'm not saying what's cool about me or anything, just what's cool is, like, I have I have a lot of interests. So, like, I have a lot of goals in my life and a lot of things that interest me. So it's not like travel is the only thing I have. A lot, of, a lot of people who are extreme travelers, they don't really have much else in their life. They don't, like, have, you know, close friends and family, that kind of thing. And that's all that really motivates them for me. Travel is just something I do. I, I really like it. You know, it's a big passion of mine, and I love talking about it, obviously. And, you know, I'm, you know, doing well off of it, uh, you know, with my job and stuff. But, uh, you know, I want to go to the North Pole, which I'm going to in April. Um, I want to go to a couple other places and uh, finish the Traveler Century Club list, which I'm, uh, I think I'm going to do two more by the end of the year. And I'll hopefully finish it within the next year or two. We'll see. But it's not like, you know, moving anything like that i mean more of my goals are um kind of professional these days and uh and and just life in general so um 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing about travel is, like, yeah, you can go to every country in the world, you can do this and that, but the cool thing about travel, I always make the analogy, it's kind of like golf. It's something you can do your entire life, and it's never the same twice, no matter how many times you play the same course, you know? I love it. That's a great analogy. Now, what is, for you, the most difficult country to get to, not travel-wise, two planes, a boat, a bus, to gaining entry, maybe to get a visa, or to get in that was just a headache and just extremely difficult for you to get into? Yeah, no question, Angola. Um, it's a country in uh, in Africa on the uh, southern west coast. It's one of those oil countries where they, you know, it's just the corrupt government and uh, the bureaucracy is pretty legendary. Um, you know, they're basically run by criminals and the oil companies own them and the Chinese own them. So really, they don't want tourists. Um, I think I was denied like five times uh, for a visa before I finally got accepted, and it ended up costing me like I think it was like eighteen hundred bucks. For, for the visa and like the the hotel for like two or three days and then it ended up costing me another couple thousand dollars because i had to get a sponsor in the country and it was like this travel agency it was a total nightmare i mean believe me um so angle is uh, legendary for being a major pain in the ass for people and you're a sports fan the, the famous angola quote uh, by barkley in the 92 dream team yeah, said, yeah, uh, yeah exactly <laughs> i don't i don't know much about angola but i know one thing they're in a lot of trouble <laughs> Now, look, first of all, yeah, thank yeah, you for... no, I think it was a little, a little bit more racially, uh, racially <laughs> yeah. sensitive than that. I remember the exact quote you're talking about. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Neither was I. Um, but I believe they lost that game by like 80 points. Yeah, oh, they blew them out. Now, we're both diehard sports fans. Do you travel a lot for sports itself? Yeah, honestly, I mean, uh, you know, if you talk to uh, if you talk to my friends, like when they hear up somewhere, they're like, okay, so what game are you going to watch? And... Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I, I, no joke, most of my travels, especially these days, now that I can kind of go wherever I want uh, and I don't have to, like, go places I don't really want to go to, is, is sports-related. Like, I'm going out to uh, England for the Rugby World Cup. You know, I'll go to, like, the Soccer World Cup, the Olympics. I mean, I've been to, uh, I don't know, 45 major league stadiums. I've been to almost every hockey, basketball, and football arena. I've been to all the major soccer stadiums in Europe and you know, so I just love doing that kind of stuff. I'd never get tired of doing it, and I follow sports religiously. I know, you know, I'll, I'll say I, I know more about sports than just about anybody. I mean, I made my television debut on ESPN Stump the Schwab, and I won. <laughs> oh, did you? oh, that was a great show. And, you know, it's funny. Sports is the truth, and I sports runs my life. My And this is a true story. You can ask Eddie. My wife left me over the Yankees and Kentucky basketball, and that's the God's honest truth. Now, <laughs> let me and and. That's, it's, it's so sad. And that's why I'm glad Eddie's on the phone because you guys talk for hours, not tonight, about just going to all these. He goes every place, every stadium. He's almost at the century, was it the 122 club. But let me ask you one question. The World yep. Cup offline matches, there are, they were announced. And, you know, Eddie and I, we're going to go and a couple of guys, we're going to go down in uh, January. We're going to go to South America. We're going to hit up, you know, we do Machu Picchu. We'll do that stuff. But then we're going to go watch soccer games in Colombia, Argentina, Brazil. Let me ask you this. You look on the websites, like you said, in Africa, and they have travel warnings not to visit. How do you uh, tackle a situation like that? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me that one, too. I mean, let's put it this way. The U.S. put a travel warning to go to Mexico. Would you think twice about going to Mexico? You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, don't go and hang out in Ciudad Juarez, you know what I mean? But, you know, that shouldn't really affect, like, the whole country, and it – it's it's like anything else. Just don't go looking for trouble. And, you know, I've never, literally, I've never had a problem. I had 
like a nine-year-old kid try to try to rob me once with a brick in South Africa, and that didn't work out too well for him. And uh, it, you know, uh, in Nigeria, I was uh, you know the cops there they're so corrupt. I mean, uh, it's a joke. But I mean, other than you know that type of stuff, like attempted shakedowns, literally, I've never had any physical issues or or anything like that. So, well, I mean. Some of the warnings on some of these countries are uh, just absolutely scary. In fact, I could read well, the I mean, on... you know, again, and you know, I, I hear what you're saying. And obviously, I don't want to have my head chopped off by ISIS or anything like that. But, you, know, <laughs> you, you know, I'm, not, I'm also not going to go into the middle of the desert in Yemen or Syria and you know and start waving an American flag or anything like that. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, obviously, be smart and do research. But I mean, at the same time. There's a lot of common sense that it, it's not like they're going to come into your hotel room or snatch you off the street in the middle of the Capitol. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you just keep to yourself, stay conservative. And, um, you know, I don't put too much stake in it. I mean, I'm aware of it. I check the, uh, you know, U.S. Department of State website and I do that. That's a great place actually to get information for uh, visas and stuff like that and, uh, you know, vaccinations. But um, other than that, I mean, you know, I just kind of, you know, I mentally note it and then kind of go from there. Are you there, Eddie? Yeah, I'm here. Do you have a follow-up question with that wiki travel thing? Uh, well, no, I pretty much answered it. Uh, I guess there's no place he's afraid of going. No, I've been to now, a couple of war zones. I actually kind of like that. It makes it a little more exciting. <laughs> now, Lee, a couple more questions for you. Do you prefer to travel alone or – now, this is like not now because I know you're going to sporting events, but you, when you were doing – trying to hit up all the countries, do you prefer to travel alone or do you want like – you, you like only a group of your boys to go? You know, it's uh, – I'm good either way, to be honest. And, you know, of all my travel, I've probably done two-thirds of it with people and about a third of it on my own. Um, okay. you, you know, it's, it, I always joke that it's hard to get someone to go to Afghanistan with you, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's it's more fun to have the experience with somebody and to share the memory with somebody. But at the same time, I've also had a couple of horrific experiences with people – um, who I didn't know that well. So, you know, it's it's always kind of buyer beware. you got to be careful with who you travel with because when you travel with somebody, you're with them all the time. So you have to – I've always been fortunate. Um, two of my best friends, I've been to probably about 60 or 70 countries with each of them. Uh, another good friend, probably about 40 countries. And then uh, people who I've uh, dated throughout the years or other friends. My uncle I've traveled with quite a bit. You know, so I've been fortunate to have people with me a lot. But I also do enjoy traveling alone as well. But, um, you know, some of the – when you go to kind of, I'll say the – I don't want to say the worst places in the world, but the most unexciting places in the world, places yeah. in like Central Africa and the, and the Sahara Desert and stuff like that, it's a lot better if you have somebody with you because it gets really boring around the Pacific Island nations. Like there's really not much to do, so it's nice to have someone to, to kind of hang out with and talk to and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I love going away with people, but sometimes the peace and tranquility of being alone in a certain place, it's pretty kick-ass. When you're just sitting down there, when I uh, I went to the Philippines, I flew home through Dubai, and I had a big layover, so I decided to stay there a few days alone, and it was it was just so calm and peaceful. It was like, it was one of the most relaxing things I've ever done, just that the, the solo traveling. Sometimes it's it's pretty awesome, you know? Absolutely agree, and uh, especially somewhere like the Philippines or Thailand, like we can meet a lot of people, uh, both locals and uh, tourists alike. I mean, it's nice. There's some places, 
where you don't really have the opportunity really to meet people. So, um, you know, I kind of try to take that integration when I decide whether I'm going to go solo or like, you know, try to get, uh, somebody to come with me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's always better to have somebody with you, but there's also a lot of virtues to traveling alone because it forces you to do more and be more outgoing. And really it just is, I always say it's absolute freedom. You can do whatever you want. Um, and, you can do it on your schedule. You don't have to compromise, and there's something nice about that. Now, Lee, I'm gonna keep you on the phone for another couple of minutes. Um, yeah, I'm visiting. I'm visiting Machu Picchu in January, and what we do, we try to hit up, like we just did Europe. So we'll go to Machu Picchu. We'll go down to see the Redeemer down in Brazil, and yet we're gonna go see soccer games. We try to do like the whole spectrum of doing it. What places, obviously, you visited Machu Picchu, just completely took your breath away when you saw them. When you their beauty of just that you saw and just took your breath away of, of just beautiness in South America or anywhere, anywhere. Just a couple of places that when you went there, you would, your breath was taken away. Yeah. Uh, Easter Island, like the Moai and Easter Island, that, that really blew me away. Um, the tiger's nest in Bhutan, which is in the Himalayas. That's an, just an amazing sight to see. Um, you know, the, the Taj Mahal is, is very cliche. Everyone w- wants to go there. But when you see it for the first time, you're like, whoa. You know, it's like one of those deals. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, the, the the first place I went was England. So when I saw Big Ben in Parliament, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. So it also really depends on your perspective. You know, if you if you're like a newbie traveler and you go to Paris for the first time and you see the Eiffel Tower, you're like, holy shit, you know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, if you know, but if you've been a lot of places, you're like, okay, it's just like this big funny looking thing, you know? So it, it really depends on your perspective, but those places, Angkor Wat in Cambodia, um, I, I'm still blown away every time I go to Sydney with the opera house, uh, the skyline of Hong Kong, um, the Burj, Burj Khalifa in, in Dubai. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. mind blowing stuff. And, uh, you know, it's for, for me, I, I'm a huge outdoor guy. So I like, um, you know, vistas, like views. And honestly, the Southwest of the United States, like Arizona, Utah, kind of the four corners area is just beautiful as anywhere. Also the Canadian Rockies, like uh, up around Jasper and Banff and Alberta over into uh, British Columbia. Um, It's just some of the most beautiful places, not just in the Americas, but really in the world. It's just breathtaking. Now you were on TV a bunch with that whole, the Ebola scare when the world was going to end because of Ebola. Were you in any yeah. of the countries? Were you in any of the countries around that time, or on any flights around that time when the whole Ebola scare happened? I was not in any of the three countries, meaning uh, what was it Guinea, uh, Sierra Leone, or Liberia at that time. But um, yeah, it was, and it was funny because I was getting calls from uh, different networks almost every day to come on, and it was just like, really? I mean, it's like I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's just, you know. <laughs> Don't don't swap spit with somebody in in Liberia, you know. So I mean, it, it was hard to say, but I actually did go to Morocco during the uh, Ebola outbreak. Um, I mean, I wasn't nervous or anything like that, but I mean, again, you just you just stay uh, stay vigilant and um, you know make sure you're not around. Uh, I'll be honest, I forget even how it tra- uh, was transferred at this point. But I mean, you know, just stay away from sick people and uh, you know just mind your own business, basically. No, okay, Lee, sorry, um, yeah. uh question I have for you, uh, now that you've accomplished, you know, visiting all these countries, 
uh, and you've been doing it so long, um, do you feel like it's become like a way of, uh, it's basically a way of life, even though there's no more gold, you just want to continue on in that way because it's kind of uh, the way you've been so many, so many years? I mean, I, I kind of noticed that happen with myself. You know, it's a, it, it, like I said earlier, it's, it's a part of my life, um, and it's, an, it's a real enjoyable part of my life. And now that, uh, you know, I can, I mean, people pay me to go on these, like, unbelievable vacations and, and, and trips and just post pictures and give my opinions on it. it. It still blows my mind that I get to do what I do, and I feel extremely fortunate to be able to do it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of my life, but, I mean, at the same time, I also... Uh, don't travel as much as I used to, and I, I say no a lot more than I used to, and, uh, you know, I'm focusing on uh, some other things. But at the same time, uh, I, I'm very blessed that I'm able to still do uh, the travel stuff and, and go to the places that I really want to go to and, and, and do it in a, in a really cool way. And, and I get to have a voice and kind of influence and, uh, you know, hopefully motivate other people and inspire other people to, to go and travel and to not just travel, but, you know, I always like to say it's not just about travel. It's just life in general, you know, kind of chasing your dreams or your aspirations. And, and I always say there's nothing to it but to do it. And, and it's so true. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'll be honest, you, I have a couple of little questions now. I just want a, a personal question about you. You blew me away with this interview. And I really mean that. Um, like I always said, I've, all I do is interview sports people. That's all I do different athletes, friends of friends, big-time players. And I've been fascinated, besides traveling, with you, with your website. And I'm like, I really want to interview him. And I'm thinking, like, how am I just going to talk travel? And I was so worried you were going to have, like, the one-word answer. I just want to let you know you're beyond a fascinating interview. Now, in your travels, Thank you. And what, I usually, what I usually ask every athlete who's on my show, I always ask them, you and I are out, meet a bunch of girls, who's the coolest person in your phone? But let me ask you this. You've traveled everywhere. Who's the coolest person you met in your travels? <laughs> um, that's an interesting question. I like that. I haven't been asked that one before. Um, you know, I get, uh, I, yeah, I'm, again, I'm very fortunate. I get to go to a lot of really cool events and, and, and get to do a lot of things. Like I've met a lot of really, really high-powered political people. I've met uh, uh, two presidents. Um, I've met Mick Jagger. Um, and then I was stranded in Antarctica with Prince Harry for four days. That was pretty cool. Who were you stranded with? Prince Harry, like the Prince of England. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, but I think the only time I really – and, you know, I'm not a big celebrity guy. Um, I don't really care. I've met a lot of uh, – you know, kind of like you. I've met a lot of athletes. I go to a lot of games. But I was really starstruck uh, meeting Mick Jagger. I think that was uh, the. I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan. I'm a huge, huge music fan, and I just remember like walking up to him and shaking his hand, and I just kind of looked at him. and I'm just thinking to myself, "You've done some living, bro." You know. He <laughs> <laughs> blowing you and I out of the water. Now, we both live in New York City. What's your go-to spot here in New York City? Uh, for what? For a bar, a restaurant? Both. I want a bar and a restaurant. New York City, your go-to um, bar and restaurant. I'm a I'm a huge fan. I mean, I I'm a downtown guy, so I'm a huge fan of uh, some restaurants in the in the village, like the West Village, like Bar Pity. I love. Um, uh, probably my favorite bars are uh, Triona's. Um, I just love the owners there. I've been going there for a few years now. Um, honestly, I've been going to the Village Tavern since 1998, since uh, I wasn't <laughs> even old enough to go there. And um, 
you know, and then I like, you know, those are like the, you know, the kind of the bro bars I like to hang out at. But then if I'm going out to like nice places, I really love the uh, the new hotel bars, the rooftop uh, spots, especially like, you know, places like the uh, the James or the Jane um, Dream Hotel, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, even even 240, uh, what is it, uh, 225th Avenue or whatever the hell it is. That's a oh, yeah, two, 255th, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I just like the views and I like being outside, um, and, and it's really nice. And I, I like the, the vibe of the kind of trendy boutique hotel bars these days, and they're not too crowded, and you kind of keep the riffraff out, so to speak. So I, I, I like that. Um, I, you know, I can go either way. I can go, you know, slumming, you know, backwards hat and shorts and T-shirt or get dressed up and go out to a nice place, either one. But uh, as far as food, pretty much anywhere, pizza, Italian, uh, I like and we'll finish with a generic question. You probably get this every interview. What is your advice to people who just want to travel? And I bet you the one thing, because I, I travel a lot. I don't make a ton of money, but I travel all the time. That's all I do. I save my money. I work overtime just to travel. I love it. I travel to watch sports and everything. What do you get the most from people like you? How do you travel with the money thing? What, what's your advice to the young travelers? Yeah, um, you know, honestly, the answer is, is <laughs> money you know um don't 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 spend it on stupid shit and uh and i and i mean that seriously like i mean growing up i mean i worked my whole life a lot of people mistake me for being like a rich kid i'm not i never was you know i worked literally i got a paper route at like six years old and i worked odd jobs at a landscaping company when i was a kid uh, with all my friends mowing lawns uh shoveling driveways raking leaves babysitting anything i could do to make money and i, and I never spent a dime literally the only thing I ever bought was pizza. And, uh, yes. you know, as as a grown-up, really, I mean, if you look at a lot of my pictures, I wear the same clothes a lot of times. You know what I mean? I don't spend money, really, except on travel. And, you know, now I don't even really spend that much money on travel anymore. Um, so, you know, you know, I just try to, to put it all away because, you know, you don't really get uh, opportunities to get it back. So just don't spend it on dumb stuff. Uh, be smart. Put it in the bank. I always tell people... Um, you know, you can't, it's like poker, right? You can't lose what you don't put in the middle. So just don't put it in the middle. If you don't think you should get it, if you don't need it, don't get it. Yeah. I love when people tell me, and we're going to finish up with this. When people tell me, Oh, how do you afford to go? I'm like, listen, I'm not rich. I'm like, I'm not driving a 2016 Mercedes. I'm not wasting my money on all these clothes. My travel pictures, I'm wearing the same Yankee t-shirt, the same faded Yankee backwards hat in almost every one of them. It looks like I'm I'm taking pictures behind little posters, but that's what it is. I'll use my money to travel. You can't have the best of both worlds. But listen, I really can't thank you enough for coming on. I had an absolute blast. We have each other's emails and stuff. We'll hit up, and hopefully in Thailand we can meet up and uh, have something to eat or something in Thailand, brother. Yeah, man, that'd be cool. I'll be in Bangkok for a few days. I'm speaking at a conference out there. So, yeah, just shoot me an email. I'll try to uh, – I know some cool places out there. So, uh, hope to meet you soon, and thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. It was fun. Lee, thank you so much, brother. Have a great night. I guess. I want to thank, first of all, Lee Abamante. Go to his website, leeabamonte.com, L-E-E-A-B-B-A-M-O-N-T-E.com. Fascinating website. Eddie said it great. I think we lost Eddie. Eddie said it great before when he's saying, you go to his website, it tells you how to get into the countries, pictures of everywhere, because people can tell you, oh, I've been here. He has around 20 or 30 breathtaking pictures, amazing pictures of North Korea. And it's just a great interview. He was a really fun guy. I'm really glad Eddie came on. And let me say something about Eddie. Eddie is, you could do a whole show on Eddie Pele. He 
when I mean travel-wise, he has stories about how he was in Alaska. I, I wish he was still on hold. Eddie went to Alaska once, I think, to watch some basketball game. Who even knows with him? He's there, and he lands in the airport, and he goes to the bathroom. The airport shut down. It's the middle of January or December. He ends up walking miles and miles. His eyes got frozen shut. His phone. Next interview, no matter who I interview, we're going to have Eddie tell his Alaska story. But thank you, everybody, for listening. I know we try to do the show every Monday night, but when guests like Alex Anume and Lee Avalante want to come on on Thursday, I'm pretty sure I can switch my schedule around. I don't have much going on. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Have a good night.